When I'm not hosting this podcast, I am writing books, but it is really hard for me to write when I'm at home, so I like to find remote cabins in the middle of nowhere to just hang out and write. But I hate the idea of my house just sitting empty, doing nothing but collecting dust and definitely not collecting checks. And that's why I'm an Airbnb host. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. Other popular side hustles are awesome too, don't get me wrong, but they often involve big startup costs. By hosting your space, you're monetizing what you already have access to. It doesn't get easier than that. And if you're new to the side hustle game and you're anxious about getting started, don't worry because you're not in this alone. Airbnb makes it super easy to host. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth a lot more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey guys, are you ready for some money rehab? Wall Street has been completely upended by an unlikely player, GameStop. And should I have a 401k? Because you I don't do it? it? No, I know. Girl! You think the whole world revolves around you and your money? Well, it doesn't. Charge for wasting our time. I will take a check. Like a old school You recognize her from anchoring on CNN, CNBC, and Bloomberg. The only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. The cold lapin. The good news about the Great Resignation is that the job market, generally, is an employee's market, meaning the demand for workers is so great that employees have more power when it comes to negotiating. However, this power dynamic isn't necessarily present in every industry, and the most desirable jobs will always be in high demand. The best advice I can give on getting a job is to network your butt off. So many of the best opportunities I've had in my career have come from a mix, of course, of hard work and also positioning myself to show up at the best networking opportunities. And then, yes, networking my butt off. Within the last few months, I've been to two in-person conferences. And even though in the BC before COVID times, I would have gone to more like 200 in-person conferences, it's an adjustment going back to being in a room with actual humans. So a few weeks ago, I went to a conference called FounderMade. And as a side note, I love FounderMade and also the founder of founder made Megan Asha, who's actually been on the show. It's episode 205. Should you sell your business? You should check it out. And you should check it out. But anyway, it's been a minute since I've been around humans, and I totally had to shake the dust off my networking skills. I do love to be social and meet new people, but networking can still feel awkward no matter who you are. It's a skill I wish was taught in school. We learn how to dissect a frog, but we don't learn how to make meaningful connections with folks in our industry, which is, of course, bananas to me. So today, I'm bringing you the Networking 101 class I would have loved to have taken in college. And I've broken it out into six tips. Number one, schedule up. Industry events are important for getting to know more people within your world. And I can guarantee that the more events you go to, the smaller that world will become. So how do you get invited to said industry events? Make it known that you are ready and eager. Talk about your passions to friends, colleagues, mentors, and acquaintances. It sounds so simple, but just talking about your passions is a great way to move them along. People you talk to might have recon on an event, recommendations for people who might have more recon on other events in your space, or just interesting intros to help you out with. So aside from the obvious research you should be doing yourself, ask around. All it costs is your breath. Number two, do your homework. Who's going to be at your event? 
Do you have a mutual friend? Is there a piece of work or accomplishment the person achieved that you admire? Have genuine conversation starters at the ready. Oh, so do you know so-and-so? Or, hey, I saw your blah-de-blah. It was incredible. You want to get a sense of who's going to be there and try to do a little prep in advance. I'm not talking about putting together a whole dossier or getting crazy with your research. Just do a quick check on your phone on the way over. And by the way, getting there on time means you're getting there 10 to 15 minutes early. Why? Because just like you, every party host or event host is afraid that no one is going to show up. If you're the first to arrive, you'll have the opportunity for the host's undivided attention without him or her getting bombarded by all of the fashionably late guests. Number three, let friends be your social lubricant, not alcohol. You might have had a long day. You might be super nervous, but stay in control of yourself. Do you need to bring a friend to be a wingman or a wingwoman? Great! Bring one. He or she can help you socialize. But repeat after me. Don't get shit-faced. Oh, wait. If you get out of hand, you'll forever be that person who just can't handle their alcohol. And you won't need to worry about making an impression because you'll be remembered for all the wrong reasons. I know what you're thinking. Thanks, mom. But seriously, I've seen it happen. It's not cute or cool. And there's no greater blow to the next day's productivity than taking too many shots and then wasting it nursing a hangover. Be smart, not a smarty pants. So be ready to be on. You're presenting a valuable product yourself. Don't make your first meeting your last one. Make a lasting impression in a charming, savvy way. Show your strengths as a cool conversationalist, not a show-off. The trick to being strategic, by the way, is not to come across as strategic at all. Number four, be a player. Nothing is worse than starting a conversation about the weather. Wow, I'm so glad it's cooling down. Or, ugh, this rain totally sucks. No, those statements suck. I hear them all the time and they are a major turnoff. Money rehabbers are too smart for fluff, unless it's the kind you can eat, which is amazing. If you're not a meteorologist, think of something more clever. Live in Chicago? Have some idea about the Bears, the Cubs, Sox, Bulls, Blackhawks? You may be a rabid fan or truly not care at all about sports, but I'm here to tell you that knowing something about sports is probably going to be important in your career. So get in the game. Sports is the great equalizer. And listen, I know it sounds so, so obvious, but listen when people talk. I often say this to kids in my family. You have two ears and one mouth, so listen more than you talk. Sure, talk about work if it comes up, but never, ever hard pitch yourself. Instead, ask questions and pay attention to the answers. You know why people think Bill Clinton is so charismatic? Because he makes every person he talks to, from a head of state to a busboy, feel like the most important person in the room. Do the same. Minus all the flirty business. Number five follow up. I know sometimes it feels awkward, but always get contact information at the end of a good chat. 
bring business cards. If you have them from work, great, but you can and should make your own too. And also get that person's number or email. If they don't have a card, casually suggest having them type it into your phone. You can make some self-deprecating joke about it. Like, you can probably type better on it than I can. I'm a serial spell check violator anyway. At the end of the night or when that person walks away, if you think you'll forget, type in some details that you gathered while you were chatting with that person in the notes section of your phone. A child's name, where the person will be vacationing, or other identifying yet personal pieces of information. That, hey, hope your son Charlie is feeling better, or hey, still jealous of that tan you got from the shore, is a great way to continue the conversation and remind them that you were listening. Or if you talked about that person's birthday, send a little thoughtful present. It doesn't need to be expensive, and it doesn't even need to be their birthday to send something funny or creative. I can write an entire book on the present. I've given people after meeting them. They're little tokens of appreciation, nothing lavish. I mean, I've sent a USB drive to someone who said she liked the one I had on my keychain. I've sent a bottle of nail polish to someone who said she was thinking about doing a daring yellow manicure. I've sent gluten-free snacks to someone who said she couldn't find enough gluten-free food at work. Whatever. The point is, it should be personal, not pricey. Number six. Continue the conversation. Don't rush it. Wait a beat before trying to set something up with someone you hit it off with. When you do ask for a second date, suggest a certain time and place. The whatever-you-want game puts you in a position of weakness, and no one likes the whole which-restaurant-do-you-like ping-pong match. Even if you're totally wide open, still suggest a couple of times and places. It's helpful, it's assertive, and it gives the impression that you are wildly busy, which, hello, you are. For example, say, how's Tuesday at 10 or 3.30, instead of, got any time next week? Also, make BFFs with the assistants. Remember their names. You can write them in the contact notes that you already have going, and always ask how they're doing. It sounds like a basic level lesson in just being a good person. But you will be surprised how many people are total meanies to assistants. You don't think that gets back to the boss? You don't think that assistant is going to move up the corporate ladder someday? If you don't, you are plain wrong. I do this show to help you with every detail of improving your work and money situation. And this, my friend, surprisingly happens to be one of the biggies. I've seen people totally screw themselves by acting rude to an assistant. I could also write a whole other book about the gifts I've given to assistants. Some have moved heaven and earth to get me in for a meeting. And why do you think they did that? Because people want to work for and with people they like. Don't pretend. Just be your likable self. Be human. Be kind. Be authentic. Did the assistant say she wasn't feeling well? Send her a link to an article about home remedies. In business, you live and die by the little things. Remember, nothing happens overnight. Relationships, whether with colleagues or clients, take years to build. So keep building. Building faster will only result in a wobbly house. Build more carefully and you'll have something more solid and something you actually want to live in. For today's tip, you can take straight to the bank. Don't skip remote networking opportunities. Sure, it makes it harder to mingle one-on-one if you're on a Zoom call, but if you have the list of attendees, you can always do some cold outreach and reference the conference in an icebreaker later on. Ask them what sessions they liked and then wow them with your own opinions. 
is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Nicole Lappin. Our producers are Morgan Lavoie and Mike Coscarelli. Executive producers are Nikki Etor and Will Pearson. Our mascots are Penny and Mimsy. Huge thanks to OG Money Rehab team Michelle Lands for her development work, Catherine Law for her production and writing magic, and Brandon Dickert for his editing, engineering, and sound design. And as always, thanks to you for finally investing in yourself so that you can get it together and get it all. You spend the money, money.